Thank you, preacher, and thank you, church, for the good day and for the good fellowship and the good music, and uh, I always enjoy coming here, and we had a great time today at lunch, and uh, we had a wonderful time of fellowship, and I always love to get the fellowship with good friends, and uh, this morning I was, I, I did, I was remiss in one thing that I did this morning. I said that I brought greetings from my son to Uncle Andy, but he also told me to say hello to Aunt B. So I wanted to be sure and do that tonight so that I would not be remiss in that duty that was assigned me. I have to make my, it's a sad day when you get to the point you have to keep your son happy. Not only do I have to keep my wife happy, I have to keep my son happy. Uh, I was his boss for many, many years, and now he thinks he's my boss. And uh, so it's quite interesting sometimes, but uh, I'm glad that uh, at my age, I still get to serve the Lord, and I get to represent Him and to go and to be a blessing as I can to people. And I want to apologize to you today for my voice. My voice is annoying me, so it must annoy you. I do not like to have a, a froggy voice, and I have one. And uh, so uh, tonight we'll try to see if we can adjust a little bit and help you to hear me better and understand a little better. I'm not going to preach a message that I intended to preach tonight because I want to be at full strength when I preach that sermon. And uh, I'll get you later with that one. And uh, we'll look forward to that. But tonight I want you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 11. Psalm 11 with me if you would. How wonderful it is to serve the Lord. How wonderful it is, people, to realize what God has used you to do throughout all these decades of service. You know, there aren't a lot of churches that can say for decades have been true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For decades, they've held up the word of God and good music and so forth and so on. But you have done that. And today, even now, you are reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is a wonderful thing, a wonderful accomplishment and I want to encourage you to keep doing it and to do more of it, as the day we live in certainly is in need. If you got your Bible open there, I want to read the first three verses. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Verse number three is the text I want to use tonight. If the foundations, the psalmist asks and cries out, the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That is a very appropriate verse for our generation that we live in today. And one that we should consider and let God speak to us concerning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for the wonderful pastor and pastor's wife that you've given to them. Celebrating 50 years of marriage this week. What a great blessing to the church and blessing to others they have been. Continue to bless them and use them. And Father, bless this dear church and the people here. Many of them have labored for you many, many years and have invested their time and their fortune and their faithfulness in this one place. And I pray, Father, that you would bless them and may they continue to do as they have done and may they pass it on to a generation after them that this place might continue to be a great lighthouse 
of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us strength tonight and help us to say only what you would want us to say. And Father, through this message tonight, give us some encouragement. Give us some hope. Give us some help. Give us some direction tonight for all of our lives that you could use us in a special way to touch the lives of others. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is a day that we live in where literally it is astounding to try to keep up with all the change that goes on so rapidly in our society. And we look at our own nation with all of its values and all of its strength being shredded before our very eyes day by day. We live in a land tonight that God is blessed in a great way. Our nation is a shining light of what the gospel of Jesus Christ can do and can raise up in a place. But sad to say, as we all know, we have forsaken that light and we have forsaken the opportunity that God has given to us as a nation. Tonight we stand on the verge of watching our own constitution be completely destroyed. We see it going from ignored to people ignoring it and making laws ignoring it to now we live in a time when it is being shredded before our very eyes and we wonder aloud what is going on and what is going to happen and what is going to be the outcome. We live in a land of governmental corruption. We have the most corrupt government, the most corrupt people involved in government that we've ever known in our nation. While there's a slush fund is to pay off all the sexual affairs of the men who sit in Congress. And uh, we do not even have the right or the access to see that fund and to know who that fund has helped or, or helped or been an accomplice in uh, doing their evil. We live in a generation today that is completely gone mad over things that we never dreamed would happen. Can you imagine tonight? Can you really believe tonight that we have a party, a political party in this country that is avowing socialism and is out loud talking about it and bragging about it and pushing that agenda? Why, when many years ago, we, many of us who are older can remember years ago, you would have dared said you wanted to be a socialist in this country. You would not have dared have talked about some of the things that they talk about freely and glibly today in our society. But we have a whole political party given to socialism and talking about it and how they want to bring it and implement it into our country and do away with so many things that we cherish tonight. Oh, this is an hour of a need. We need a broken heart about what's going on in the world. And who would have ever thought uh, we have gone from abortion fighting for the right for a woman to have an abortion, to now we fight for the right to murder alive a little infant, a little baby. And abortion was always murder, but now we're just so brutal about it. We're so open about it that we believe it's okay just to murder someone if we don't like their existence. And I remind you that that will pass on to the rest of our society and the rest of the thinking of people. And we already see some of it today where we want to talk about who has the right to live who has who must die uh, who has the right to the to the medical knowledge and medical expertise and who doesn't have the right to that and these are all things that we see today and it makes us scratch our head and it makes us look in fear toward the future and we think about these things we think about all the years that we heard these things preached about 
Why, Brother Roloff today, if he was alive, would not know what to do. He would not know how to behave. I've heard it said by many that Brother Roloff was taken on to heaven because he could have never accepted the things that have taken place since his death in America. He went to jail uh, many years ago. My, what he would have done if he was alive today. And we think about in our history, in the history of the world, the great Baptists who have been persecuted and who have paid a price for us to have our freedom and our liberty. And ladies and gentlemen, unless something happens in our day and something takes place in a generation soon, we're going to live in a day when Fox's Book of Martyrs will become more real to us than it ever has been. As people are being martyred now for the cause of Christ around the world and was kept silent from us many of the atrocities that are going on around the world. And we stand tonight and look at all of this and we wonder in amazement, what does the future hold? And what can we do? And uh, there's things that we can do. One of the things is we just can't give in. I want you to know tonight we cannot give in. We must not throw up our hands and quit. We must not wave a white flag of surrender. We must renew ourselves and determine that we're not going to give in to the evil in this hour and the darkness of this hour. We must resist the evil that attacks us. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you is a promise that we have. We can overcome and we can still live victorious lives and we can overcome evil with good, the Bible tells us. What should we do? We should do more good than we've ever done, not less good. Uh, we should go to church more. We should witness more. We should do everything that we can to be a, a lighthouse of goodness for this world. We can pray. We wring our hands, but do we pray? Uh, we can preach the gospel. We can be good stewards. We can be consistent. We can be godly. We can be dependable for others in this dark day that we live. We can look for more counsel from the Word of God. This is not a day to read your Bible less. We must read it more. We must study it more because there is where we find wisdom. There is where we find direction. There is where we find instruction for this hour that we live in. And this psalm tonight, you can see from verse 1 that the psalmist knew trouble was coming. By the time we get to verse 2, the foundations have been destroyed. All of this is already taken place. The political foundation is under attack to be destroyed. The religious foundation is under attack to be destroyed. Why in our world today, it's hard to believe that not many years ago, you could have went anywhere and everywhere and heard the gospel preached. You could have went anywhere and everywhere and people would have had a Bible. And uh, back years ago, and sometimes people use this as an excuse, well, what about the days when the Methodists and the Baptists used to preach together and have church together and the Presbyterians. How do you answer that? It's very simple, my friend. It's a very simple answer. We only had one Bible. We only had one Bible. We had the Word of God. And they chose other books. And because of that, it brought division. But we still can lift up the Word of God today. And we still can build up our churches today. And there's a war that's going on over and over again through the years. And it's the same war that's going on forever. It's the same thing that will go on until Jesus comes again. It's a different act in the play. But it's the same play. And it's just different actors who are on the stage. But this is our hour for the stage also. This is our hour to build churches. This is our hour to send out missionaries. This is our hours to be faithful witnesses. And we must do it and seek to be godly and do everything we can for the cause of Christ. Now, 
we see America, our problems are escalating because of our sin and because of our failure to acknowledge God. Uh, we have never had a day like this. This nation has always boasted in the past of the fact that Jehovah was our God and that we were built upon the principles of Jehovah. We were built upon the principles that we call the Judeo-Christian uh, ethics. And that's what built our nation, and that is true. But today we live in a day where now we have taken Jehovah and we have tried to put him on the same plane with the gods of this world. And now Allah is lifted up. My friend, Allah is a false god. Allah is, uh, is a false god that will lead you straight to hell. And Allah cannot save anyone. Allah is not even a god. And I want you to know tonight, we're trying to make a distinction in our society tonight about who is God. And that's so sad and so shameful tonight. But what can the righteous do? I believe it's time that we Christians get on the offense again. Now, let's be honest with ourselves tonight. I believe that most of God's people tonight are in a holding pattern. They're not trying to be offensive and do anything. They're content to let everybody else do it. We have been blessed in America. We have been blessed with good churches. We've been blessed with knowledge. We've been blessed with education. We've been blessed with good music and all kinds of things. But in all this, we have gotten lazy. We have gotten spoiled. And tonight, we are not on the offense anymore. We're not on the attack anymore. And we must realize again that as Christians, we can do all things through Christ. And there are things we can do tonight. We can overcome. And I just refuse to believe tonight that all the victories for God's people are over. I do not believe that for a moment. Through Christ, I believe that we still can overcome. And I believe the Bible tells us that we're kings and we're priests of God. And we know that we have a home in heaven reserved for us. And it's time for God's people to act like that. Wouldn't it be good to see some people be excited about being saved again? Be excited about knowing the Lord again? Not, oh, we got to do this. It's too hard to do this and that. No, it's time to wake up and get on the offense and to do something for God in our world. Why, we ought to want to do something for our children and do something for our grandchildren and do something for a little Sunday school class you may teach or whatever your ministry may be. There are people in need and we must do something. What can we do if the foundation be destroyed? Destroyed. I won't tell you what the psalmist said tonight. First of all, if the foundation be destroyed, don't run away and try to hide. Don't run away and try to hide. Look at verse 1. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. Hey, are we trusting in God or not tonight? Are we putting our faith in the eternal God tonight in His Word? Yes, we are. Then if we are, how dare we think that we're, we've lost the battle? How dare we think that it's time to retreat? How dare we think it's time to go away and hide somewhere and cower in the darkness and cower in an obscure place and not come out and take our stand for Christ? He said in Ephesians 6.13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Well, preacher, don't you get tired of everybody uh, making fun of what you do? Do you get tired of all the resistance? My friend, I'm going to do what I can as long as I live. I've been at this over 50 years, over a half a century, and I don't have a lot of strength left, I know. I don't have a lot of uh, great abilities to offer anyone anymore or anything, but there's one thing I can do. I can withstand and I can refuse to concede ground and I can refuse to be discouraged and then when I've done all I can still stand, the Bible says. Stand where you are. Stand in your home. Stand in the schoolhouse. Stand in the church house. Stand for our God. We serve a God of victory tonight. Don't run away and try to hide. While we live in a good, we got a good situation going on one way. Where are you going to run to today? There's no new country you're going to be able to run to. There's nowhere you're going to be able to hide because of, of all the, the things that mankind has today and the way they can find us and, and everything else. And uh, I mean, all, and you got Alexis watching you now. You don't have a chance. Everywhere you go, and they can find us. There's nowhere to go. So you guess what? We just better dig in and take a stand where we are and lift up our voice to God for help tonight. It's hard to stand, but it's not impossible to stand. I say tonight we need to say to God's people once again, stand. Stand together tonight. Don't run. Cowards run. Cowards shrink from the fight. Cowards leave their family. Cowards leave their church. Cowards leave their friends. Whenever the pressure comes, whenever the problems come, uh, it will be at the next place we flee to. You can't run away from your problems. You can't run away from trouble. That's why it's best just never to run. It's better to stand. It's better to take your stand upon the word of God and stand and then withstand and stand again. That's our assignment. We have an assignment tonight. You say, well, what's my assignment, preacher? I just told you, it's to stand. You have responsibility. You know what you do when you come to church on Sunday night? You stand. What you do when you come to church on Wednesday night? You stand. When you put an offering in an offering plate, you stand. When you volunteer and you work in something in the church, you stand. Every time you come to this place, you're standing for something. You're standing up. Let's stand together tonight. Amen. If enough people would stand together in God's church houses tonight, there could be a difference made. And I just believe we can still make a difference if we stand. So the first thing you do is you don't run away and you try to hide. You can't do it. And it's just not in me. I've never liked a coward. I've never had any respect for a coward. I don't like quitters. Oh, I remember hearing Dr. Lee Robertson say many, many times, failures are as common as dirt. Boy, that's the truth. Then he'd say, well, you're failures. You're just like the dirt I walk on. Boy, I never wanted to be a failure. I didn't want to be. And then he'd say, the way you fail is you quit. You quit. You quit, you're a failure. Oh, you may get knocked down, but you don't have to quit. Amen. You may get discouraged sometimes, but you don't have to quit. You may have obstacles, but you don't have to quit. And God blesses those who are faithful and don't quit. The second thing he says, trust in the Lord. And the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. 
The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. What a wonderful portion of scripture there. How can we flee if we put our trust in God? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, I'm trusting God, but I'm going to quit. Preacher, I just can't do it anymore. I've just reached a point where I'm just tired. I just need to let somebody else take my place. No, don't let anybody take your place. Let them drag you away kicking and screaming, but don't let anybody take your place. Be faithful. Be faithful to God. Trust in the Lord. And the Lord sits. See where the Lord sits there? Oh, he sits above the earth. He sits above any mountain you're going to go to. And he's in his holy temple. And the Bible says his earth is his footstool. Can you imagine how big our God is? It's putting that descriptive language so that you and I can understand a graphic picture of the size of our God, why he's too big to even talk about. He's too big to have a vocabulary to describe all of his accomplishments and abilities to help us. And there he sits and the Bible says he sees. He sees. He sees this old earth down here. He sees the United States of America tonight. He sees our churches tonight who are empty. He sees our work of God halting as we try to decide whose side we're going to be on. He sees all of these things. And my friend tonight, because he sees it all, we should want him to see us. Oh, we need to want him to see us. May there be a church in Ocala, Florida that God has to pay attention to all the time because you stir up so much with the gospel. You're so faithful with the gospel and faithful with reaching others and picking people up out of the gutter and lifting them up that God has to pay attention to what you're doing. Amen. Get all heaven watching. He sees. David is asking the question in disbelief. If you're trusting the Lord, how can you flee? We have to admit, though, in our flesh, we all feel like cowards, don't we? Oh, we can talk a big game until it comes right down to it. And when we have to stand, it takes courage. And we have to realize that we are just mere children of men. But David asked the question in disbelief, why should you flee if you're trusting in the Lord? The word trust is found 152 times in the Old Testament. The word trust as it's given to us means to take refuge or to lean on. Take refuge in the Lord. Lean on the Lord. That's what it means. Trust in the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. Oh, you're leaning on the Lord? You've got your full attention upon Him? You're leaning on Him. He's your refuge. He is our refuge and strength. We run to Him in days of trouble and time of trouble. And if we're trusting in the Lord, this is where we are. And if that's where we are, how can we talk about fleeing? I just think we'll see this thing to the end. I just think I'll keep on going. I've been going 50 plus years. I think I'll just see it to the end. I think I'll just go on and see how far down the road I can go and look forward to the day I see my Savior face to face. But until that time, I don't want anyone to ever think, I quit. I don't want anyone to ever think, 
I don't believe anything can happen. Listen, I still believe, and you can make fun of me. You can put me off in a funny farm somewhere, but I still believe we serve the same God that parted a Red Sea and the same God that put this earth here. And I believe that God is still able to perform miracles. He's able to do great things in this day we live in. And I'm not about to tell a younger generation that you have no hope. I remember when I was a young person in church. Why There were some preachers that just tried to scare you all the time. I lived in those days in the 60s when every day we were worried about Russia. You heard much about Russia then as you have lately again. Russia, Russia everywhere. We had these drills in school in case they were to Drop an atomic bomb. This shows you the height of the brilliance of our educational community. Our job in this drill was to crawl under our desk. And there we were under the desk. If those mean old Russians drop an atomic bomb, just get under your desk. Oh my, how foolish it was. And then they would tell all these horrible stories. These preachers would tell stories about how the Russians are going to starve us. Now you take a little kid hearing that. That bothered me. I didn't want to starve. They're going to starve you. And then they tell stories about torturing. I remember vividly one preacher talking about they're going to stick things in your eyeballs and put them out. And we, you wonder, wonder why my generation was messed up. It's the preaching we listen to. And we listen to this stuff, and, and then it'd be like, you, you might as well not grow up. Because as soon as you got through with that guy, here comes another one that says, you'll, you'll be, you won't live to be 20 years old before Jesus comes back again. So just throw it, you know, it's just surrender, everything, surrender, surrender. Hey, I'm still here. Jesus hasn't come, and the Russians haven't starved me. And you can see that. And I want you to know, don't you tell your children. Don't you tell teenagers. Don't you tell them there's no hope for them. Don't you tell them there's no future for them. Don't you let them believe that. No, you keep on believing and you keep on serving God. And you set an example that we never despair when our trust is in God. It's word trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean into God. Lean to the promises of God. Lean to Christ. Don't you lean to your understanding. Oh, get rid of that term, but I think. No, your thinking is not going to solve anything. Oh, I feel. No, get rid of that too. You just lean unto the Lord. Oh, if you got one verse, lean on it. Lean on our Lord with all your heart and not your own understanding. He says in verse 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him. All your ways. That means every part of your life. That means your social life. That means your private life. It means uh, the public, what they see about you, you know, your personal life that you have that you know about. Nobody else does. Your future life, you must trust him for it. He's our hope. We're to lean on him, not under our own understanding. All thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. 
we still have a God who wants to direct our path. And wherever he leads, it'll be okay if we lean on him. And then the Bible goes on. And all thy ways acknowledge him, he should direct thy path. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Boy, that's our problem tonight. We all think we're smart. We're not. We, we have a generation today that, you know, you nobody ever wants to tell them they're wrong. That's why they've got to pass all their tests. That's why they've got to make an A or a certain grade or they're not worth anything. That's why in sports, everybody's got to be as good as everybody else. That's why our whole, our whole world has come to this tonight. And now everybody thinks they're brilliant. Everybody thinks they're a rocket scientist or whatever they want to believe they are in their make-believe world. But the truth of the matter is, would it be a good thing if we had some old-fashioned honesty again when somebody just tells a son, that's not what it means. I remember an old preacher used to say, I've heard him say this, the young preacher said, say, son, you, 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 you think you saw PC in the sky, and that meant preach Christ, but for you it meant plow corn. <laughs> but we wouldn't dare do that today. Son, you're singing, just don't cut it. Oh, No. Because they want to sing, they get to sing. Oh no, well, we can't let anyone feel. Hey, we, that's our problem. We got too many, as the old folks used to say, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. That's probably not politically correct to say today, but I've never been politically correct and uh, I'd forget it anyway. But we have too many people who think there's somebody. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, we're much better off when we remember we're nothing but dirt. We're sinners that deserve hell. We're sinners that don't deserve to live or breathe a breath of air. And God lets us live. And whatever opportunity he gives us in life, we ought to seize it with all of our energy, with all of our strength, and realize that God made us to do it. And be happy in doing it. And be rejoiced in doing it. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Be not wise in eyes. Fear the Lord. And depart from evil. Fear the Lord. Depart. You know why we don't depart from evil? We don't fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It's all on me. People, don't you just depart from evil? Well, I'm praying. No, you don't pray back. Depart. Depart. Preacher, would you pray? I'm, I'm trying to give up cussing. Pray for me. No, I won't. Just quit cussing. That's pretty. Pray for me. I'm trying to give up drinking. No, quit drinking. I'm trying to have a more respectful attitude. Well, I have one. Well, you can smoke a lot of cigarettes while I'm praying for you. You can drink a lot of liquor while I pray for you. And you can treat a lot of people bad while I pray for you. No, it's time for us to say, this is wrong. If I know it's wrong, the Bible says depart from it. Leave it. Run from it. Get away from it. And we in our nation tonight need a revival of just departing from evil. We want to argue about everything. Well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Show me something that's wrong with that. Have you got a verse for that? Do you have a verse for this? And you get down to the point you just want to tell some people, you're just too stupid to talk to. I'm sad to say it's true. I know that's not politically correct either. But I have to say that once in a while. You're not going to have a lot of manhood if you can't say that to somebody. Uh, 
fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all the increase. Why do you live to honor the Lord? You know, the Bible says he created us for what? His pleasure. Whatever brings him pleasure, I'm supposed to be in on it. He may decide that my being sick brings him pleasure in some way. He may decide that you being poor brings him pleasure because you have to trust him more. You have to lean on him more. We live and exist for his pleasure. So whatever his assignment, I should receive it and accept it and rejoice in it and do the very best I can in it. And I'm to do that. And, I, and I'm to honor him with my substance and the first fruits of all mine increase. Any blessing of God I owe to him. Oh, remember when we used to think, boy, if God just give me a nice car, I'd bring people to church in it. We forgot that, didn't we? Oh, if God would just give me the means, I would, I would help some young people and do. But that was a long time ago, wasn't it? And we've gotten away from all these things we're to honor God with. The first fruits of our increase. Then he says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And uh, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on yourself and let God supply your needs. God talks about our ways, but the Bible speaks of his way. And tonight we need to trust in the Lord again. We say we do, but do we really? We need to acknowledge to God, as I've just read these verses to you, that we're not capable of making our own decisions. I'm not and you're not. Oh, we like to set ourselves up. Well, there's nothing that can come at me in life that I won't have the answer for. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a friend. I don't need to read my Bible every day. I don't need to pray about certain things. I will know. That's so prevalent in our churches today. Now, we would never say that, but it's the way most people feel. There are very few people that come to their pastor for advice about big decisions. There are very few people who consider that every decision is a poor decision. If you want your young people to make major decisions and make them correctly, they need to watch you make those you consider non-important and make them in a spiritual manner and a spiritual way with spiritual advice so that they'll do the same thing. Oh, we need revival. We need God to work in our hearts. These are things we can do. I don't know the answer for everything, but I'm telling you some things we can do tonight. We're encouraged to fear the Lord because we don't trust Him till we fear Him. You know, most people go do something, they say, well... That's my first John 1, 9 time. How trivial. How light. Well, I'll just ask the Lord to forgive me. He said he'll forgive me. What kind of language is that? What kind of talk is that? We have been so light and so frivolous about our, our, our Christianity and our, the way we live that we have passed on to a generation today, a frivolity about spiritual things. It's sad. It's sad. We're supposed to fear the Lord. We're told to depart, remove ourselves from evil. We have a health insurance for this life today because it says it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones when we fear the Lord and depart from evil. You want to do something for healthy? Fear God. You want to do something healthy? Get away from evil. 
Depart from it, the Bible says. And God will bless you for that. Honor God with our first fruits. Number three, what does he tell us to do? Reestablish your foundation. He's talking to all of us. When's the last time you reestablished your foundation? I think it's a good thing to do. I'm an old man. But I'm smarter than most young men. Not because I was born that way, but because I've sought God's wisdom all my life. And I've sought His wisdom to help others. And there's something we need to reestablish. Everyone here does. Young, old, everyone here. Are you doing the will of God for your life? And are you sure? You say, now wait a minute, I'm not a preacher. I didn't say a preacher. If you're breathing, God puts you on this earth and he puts you here with a will for your life. And no matter what you do in this world to make a living, you should feel that you are doing the will of God. You see, the will of God, as I find it, is not a very difficult thing to discern. The will of God is the Word of God. What are you supposed to do? It's found in this book. How you behave is found in this book. What you're to do is found in this book. It is the will of God for you and I, and we're to practice this book. We're to do what it tells us to do. If you know something, you better do it. It's, it you know, the Bible teaches that if you know it and don't do it, it's worse than if you never knew it, if you ever didn't learn it. It's better not to know it than to know it and not do it. So if you know something in the Bible, you do it. We need to reestablish our foundation about doing the will of God. And doing so with that, we have to accept the plan that God loves us and has a plan for us. Now, I, I, I am old, as I said, but I want to tell you tonight, I've accepted the fact that God still has a plan for me. Now, if I had my druthers, it'd be a different plan. Without all the aches and pains and low energy. And uh, I'd have a whole different mindset of what I would be doing tonight. But I have no say about it because it's my assignment tonight. I, God has a plan for me. I have accepted it. And I'm going to do it with all the strength I have to the best of my ability till He calls me home or puts me doing something else. That's what you're supposed to do. God has a plan for you. You're the Father. It's Father's Day. God has a plan for you. Be the best father you can be to your children. God has a plan for you. If you're a wife, be the best wife you can be. Be the best Christian you can be. And on and on, the will of God is not the hard, mysterious thing that we have been led to believe it is so that people can have an excuse for not doing what God tells them to do. The Bible is very simple and very direct. And that's the problem most men have with it. But we're to accept the fact God loves you and because he loves me, he has a plan for me. And that includes my home, my job, your car, your clothes, everything you have. You're not supposed to let the world decide. You're supposed to decide based on the word of God. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We're supposed to decide everything on a spiritual value and in a spiritual way. 
and please God. Is it the will of God? Is it the will of God for you? Oh, your kids are going to camp next week. What's it all about? You want somebody to find the will of God for their life. And accept the will of God. But one thing all can know, the will of God is found in the pages of the Word of God. And God does have a plan. God doesn't put anyone on this earth that there's not a plan for them. There's not a will for them. My mother's 95 years of age. Her mind is probably sharper than mine. And that is a, let me tell you, when you get an older parent and their mind stays with them, it's a greater burden, let me tell you. Because you can't fool them about anything. And they call you out on it. But we all have a will. I said, well, Mom, God has a will for you, Mom, is to pray. Pray for me. Get a prayer list, Mom. Who are you praying for? Pray. She prays all the time. That's what she should do. My grandmother lived to be 106. I just hope, I don't, well, I say I hope I got those genes, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, uh, if it hurts as more than it does now, I don't know if I want to last that long or not. But uh, uh, we, we've got to come to a place to realize there's a will of God for all of us. God puts a child on this earth for a will and a plan. And we become a guardian of that child to usher them to do the will of God. Oh, how important to once again reestablish our foundation. When's the last time you reestablished your foundation? When's the last time in church you recommitted yourself? I mean, I know, I know that only bad sinners go to the altar in the Baptist church. But you know, anybody is allowed to come. Oh, sometimes we ought to come and just thank God for all He's done for us. Come and thank God for his blessings. Thank God today on Father's Day for a father you had. Or thank God for the husband you have. And thank God for being able to be a daddy today. And thank God for some things. When's the last time you thank God for the word of God? Declare to your family this book is God's word. When's the last time you asked God to break your heart over a soul? When's the last time you wanted to be true to God about everything and you gave your said, I'm going to give my life to helping others. You're feeling sorry for yourself tonight? I can help you. But you won't want to listen to me. Go home and bake something. Now, if you can't cook, don't punish anybody with your cooking. Go buy something and you can even pretend it's yours. Go down to the nursing home. Go to a children's home somewhere. And go to let somebody know that God loves them and cares for them. And the way they know God cares and loves them is you're there as his representative. That'll do something for you. You know, that's what God made us to do. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God is pleased when we do. Give your life to helping others. Be true to remember to God. Remember, though, tonight, He doesn't try the unrighteous. He tries the righteous. That's tonight we need to recommit ourselves to be true to the Scriptures. I've been preaching over 50 years, but I don't mind standing tonight and publicly saying, 
The only Bible I've ever preached from is the old King James Bible. The only Bible I use in my study is the King James Bible. I believe every word of it from cover to cover. I still believe the cover because it says Holy Bible. And I can use all those corny cliches that Baptist preachers have used throughout the eons. But I want to tell you tonight, I still love them. I still claim them. I still believe it. And let the whole world know. Well, you're not very enlightened if you still use the King James. Why? Uh, no, you're the dummy because the King James Bible is written on a fifth grade level. I think there's a TV program named after you, Bible and Irish, called Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I still believe the Bible. I'm still not afraid to declare that. I'm not afraid to stand. I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm still going to be true to His church. Hey, church is for everybody. Well, we need to do this to reach this crowd. Oh, church is for everybody. Amen. It's for everybody. That's the problem is not with the church. It's with the people coming to the church. It's our problem. We don't surrender to the word of God. I'm going to be true to his people. I want to be on the side of God's people. Because... We all must stand and stand together for God to bless us. If we want our nation blessed, we have to put aside our pettiness and our littleness and come back to the things that are important. And that's the will of God in helping others and meeting the needs of others and getting everybody saved we can. So I must realize this tonight. He sends judgment upon the wicked and blessing upon the saved. The Bible says his throne is in heaven, and his eyes behold. That's a wonderful thing to think about, but the rest of that verse, and verse number one, uh, verse number four, rather, in Psalm 11 is, he, behold, his eyelids try the children of men. You know what God has to do is move his eyelids? He can move his eyelids, and there'd be no more Soviet Union. That's not the plan he's chosen to do that with. But he can move his eyelids tonight. And just change everything. Nothing's too hard for our God. But God's watching us. How bad do we want His blessing? We say we would do again. But do we really want it? He looks down upon us tonight. And what does He see? Does He see a broken heart? Does He see a life that is willing to admit our shortcomings. And ask Him to spare our country and spare our lives? What can I do? What can we do if all the foundations are destroyed? What can we do? Well, there's one thing we all can do. And that's in verse number 7 of Psalm 11. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Did you read that here? What I said? His countenance doth behold the upright. That means... That I can see his countenance. That means that I can bask in the glory of his countenance. That believes I can bask in the smile of his countenance. Because his countenance is toward me. God hasn't turned his back on us folks. God is where he's always been. God still has as much love as he's ever had. He has as much grace as he's ever had. And his countenance is toward us. What we need to do is get our countenance toward him. And that's when something can happen. Tonight, I want you to remember, an old preacher came by, a creaky voice to 
and told you, if the foundations get destroyed, his countenance is still toward us. And our countenance will still be toward him. So we have no excuse for not shouting a victory. We have no excuse for being down and out. Don't you get tired of poor-mouthing Christianity? Don't you get tired of woe is me Christianity? There's no spirit in that. There's no hope in that. There's no good feeling about that. Most people come to our churches and everybody grunts and growls and they're in a bad mood. No wonder they don't want to come back. We need to rejoice and have a spirit that rejoices. You know, your spirit can be happy. Oh, let's let God do something in our heart tonight. The foundations are in trouble tonight, folks. They're in trouble. I can't predict how it'll all turn out. But I can tell you there's some things that are true. There's some things that are true. And uh, I'm going to do my part. I hope you'll decide to rededicate yourself with me. Let's all determine to do our part. Do our part. Keep rededicating yourself. Rededicate yourself to teach a little longer. Rededicate yourself to witness a little more. Rededicate yourself to read the Bible more. Rededicate yourself to pray more. And if we'll all do more. I'm doing all I can. Don't give me that. Nobody's doing all they can do. Because if you are doing all you can do, then there's no future for you. So God needs to need to take you out of the way. All of us can do more. Let's behold his countenance. Let's get up every day and just say, Lord, I'm here to praise you. I'm here to tell you how wonderful you are. I'm here. You know what? You'll get so fired up. I mean, they'll be able to tell you apart from the Methodists if you spend some time with God like that. Oh, let's love the Lord again. Let's give him our all once again. Let's.